We praise you, Jesus. We praise you for the blood of the Lamb and the sacrifice that you gave on our behalf. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. We are uh, starting a series in Leviticus. Leviticus. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know you're like, what in the world's going on? Right. Why are we starting a series in Leviticus? Well, that's a good question. So to begin to answer that question, we're going to sing a song. Okay? This is an old song. Well, old is relative. This was written after Jonathan was, well, before Jonathan was born. Jonathan Edwards was written before he was born. Do I need to move? No. Better getting. It's written in 1994. Jonathan was born after that. Jonathan Edwards. That's a layered joke, if you know any theology. Yeah. Most of my jokes are layered and not good. But nonetheless, this is called Draw Me Close. And um, if you know it, just sing it with me, because um, that would really help. And um, here we go. Draw me close to you Never let me go I'll lay it all down again To hear you say that I'm your friend You are my desire No one else will do Nothing else could take your place To fill the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Bring me back to you sing that chorus with me really loud if you can Father, as we open the book of Leviticus, we are desiring to draw close to you. We're very thankful that you've already drawn close to us. We praise your name for that. So bless our time and speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turning your Bibles to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 1 is where we are. Leviticus chapter 1. 
And we'll begin reading with verse 1. And this is what it says. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. Let's just stop there a moment. <clears throat> a couple of things going on here. Um, first of all, the tent of meeting is the tabernacle. It's, it's the place where God has set up. There's a sacrifice. There's a, a, a holy place and a most holy place. And the most holy place is where the um, Ark of the Covenant is. So it's the temple. It's where they come to, to worship. The Lord called Moses is actually a, a kind of a cool little Hebrew word. And this is it right here, if you see it. It's actually Wekiera. Can you say that to your neighbor, Wekiera? Okay, say a little more like you know Hebrew. Wekiera. Wekiera. That's good. Wekiera. And Wekiera means to summon. It's not just a call like, hello, how you doing? I just was calling to check on you. It's not that type of calling. It's a summoning. He summons Moses to the tent of meeting. So Moses, the picture is Moses is in his home, his tent, and he gets this call from the Lord to go to the tent of meeting because he's going to speak to him there. Are you tracking? So he's summoned to the tent of meeting. Now, in thinking about this, Wakeira, um, I look back through and I notice that there's three other times before this that God summoned Moses. So to kind of illustrate this, I need three volunteers from the audience, just three. I'm not going to hypnotize you, okay? I just need three volunteers. Come on up, Thomas. Who else? That's one. Carter, if you want to, you can. That's perfectly fine with me. And yeah, come on up. All right? Okay, I need one more. I need one more. Come all the way up on stage. One more. Come on. I'm dying here. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Thank you very much. All right, so <clears throat> you stand here. Now, now, first, this is what I want you to do, Chad. I want you to go out into the audience and free people from their seats and bring them up here. Get three people that you're going to free from their seats and bring them up here. Now everybody's shaking in the room. Yeah, that's okay. Now, I have instructions for you in a minute. <clears throat> it will be very easy for you to do. No, you can stand there or you can sit. <laughs> Generally, old people have to sit. <laughs> All right? Huh? Um, I want you right where his spot is going to be. So right in this area. And I want you to hold my nice tool, tool case. See, in seminary... Um, they told you to get commentaries and everything, but they didn't tell you to get a toolkit. And I've used this toolkit as much as I've used a commentary and fixing things around the church. They didn't say that you were going to be responsible for, you know, fixing some stuff, which is, not, I'm not complaining. I just didn't know. So I bought that a long time ago so that I would have it. Yeah. So be very careful with that because that's the only set I have. All right. <clears throat> so come on up. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, ye, uh, Wakeira, come on right here. Wakeira. So, the first time that he summoned Moses was at a burning bush. So, the, bur the burning bush is burning, and he summons Moses to him, and he gives him a message. He says, I want you to go to Egypt and free my people from slavery. Because the people had been praying for 400 years that they would be freed from slavery. So, God summoned Moses to go do that. The problem is, when Moses got there, 
and started freeing the people, doing his job, it became very rough for these people that had been praying. And all of a sudden, they, all of a sudden, they didn't want to be free. They wanted Moses to go somewhere else, and they didn't want freedom. Kind of like you were shaking, not wanting to come up here because you didn't want freedom from your seat. Okay, you stayed there. That's the that's on a different level than the feeling they had, but they just didn't want to be free because it was getting rough. Listen to me. Freedom often has a price with it and you have to pay that price to get to freedom. And so the people, when the going got tough, said, hey, I don't want this freedom stuff anymore. I would just rather be a slave. But God summing them, him, Moses, to go get the people. And this was a moment. Now, the next time, you're going to have to stand up for this. <clears throat> the next time was on Mount Sinai. And he summoned Moses and he gave him the Ten Commandments. So hold your hands up like this. Ten Commandments. Now, the Ten Commandments is, is very important. Um, it was the way that people should live. It's Ten Commandments. The interesting thing is the people within weeks broke the Ten Commandments because they built an idol and they worshiped that idol. So the people not only were thinking, I really don't want freedom, but they got it anyway. And they had these rules and they said, we'll keep them. They decided not to keep them anyway, but they had the opportunity to have both. They had the opportunity to have freedom. They had the opportunity to keep the Ten Commandments. Now, this Ten Commandment and this law is going to play a role in the rest of their history. So this is a very significant moment, right? So he summoned Moses for this. You don't have to stand up the whole time. You almost look like I have a gun pointed at you. <laughs> yeah, but stand, stay there, okay? And just picture, this is Ten the next time, yeah, the next time in Exodus that Moses was summoned was when, when the tabernacle was going to be built. So he summoned Moses to give him instructions on the tabernacle. A very significant moment because the tabernacle is where heaven meets earth and you know that God is there and you can come to that location to meet with God. Are you tracking? That's a very significant moment. So we have rules, we have freedom, we have where you can meet God. Now, interestingly enough, and I, I can't unpack this all today, but I just want to throw this out. Moses is given seven instructions on how to build the temple over the course of seven days. And the seventh day, the instructions to build the temple are completed that parallels creation, where you have seven days, and the seventh day is the day of completion. So God completed the method that he wanted for people to come and meet him. Are you tracking? And so you live in whatever this represents, whatever this is, in order to meet with God. So three significant moments. Moses for freedom, ten commandments, and then building of the temple. What in the world does that have to do with Leviticus? It has a lot to do with Leviticus. Moses is summoned to the tent of meeting because I think God looked out through time and saw us. It was like, man, those people are going to be reading through the Bible. They're going to get to Leviticus and they're just not going to like it. 
That is when they're gonna be excited about Genesis, they're gonna be excited about Exodus, but man, when they get to Leviticus, it's gonna be like, really? All this detail, all this stuff, oh, this is so boring, can I just flip through, can I just skip a couple of days like this? And so what he did was he put a marker. You see, in Genesis, there's not a summoning to anybody. In Exodus, there's not a summoning to anybody. In um, Numbers, there's not a summoning Moses gets spoken to, but he's not summoned. And in Deuteronomy, Moses isn't summoned, but Moses is summoned to, to Leviticus because God wants us to know in this time period that there are some lessons that we need to know that we need to live out in our lives. And it's just as important as being free, having 10 commandments, and building the tabernacle. Wow, isn't that something? What a way to open a book. All right, give these guys a hand. If you can set that right down or right over there. Yeah. So I have been thinking about preaching through the book of Leviticus for eight to 10 years, and I've just not done it. I, I, I get there, it's in my mind, and I'm like, no. Because honestly, up until last year, Leviticus is like, there's 66 books in the Bible. It might rate, might have rated 65, 66, and they would change. Because, you know, Leviticus is just, oh, what in the world? And I love the word of God, but there's just some of it that's just like, oh, don't look at me. Don't judge me because you think the same things, right? There's some of it that you're like, how in the world does this apply to me? How in the world am I going to be able to live this? How in the world does this have anything to do with our day and age? How in the world does this have anything to do with our day and age? So last year in January, I began, I, I told the Lord, okay, I've, I've thought about this long enough. I'm going to start looking into it. If you want me to preach through it, that's great. I got this commentary and within the first three hours, it totally unlocked for me the whole book. And I've been amazed with it ever since. In fact, I've learned so much about it and it's impacted my life this past 2019 that it's the one time that I actually couldn't help but share some of it with people. Like I always prepare my sermons a year in advance, but this one really dealt with my heart in a, in a different way. And it was like, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff. And I was oozing with this information. And so I shared little bits and pieces all last year. And the leaders of this church probably got tired of me saying, man, I'm doing Leviticus um, and wondering what in the world that is. And because I kept giving like little details, but not too much. I didn't give too much, just little details to say, there is something about this book. And right from the opening, I think that God is summoning us to the message of Leviticus. The reason is it's in the Bible. For some reason, God wanted it right here. And he knew you and I would be looking at it like periodically through our read-throughs and we would know that it's there. So why in the world is it here? Why has he summoned us to a message that is just as important as the exodus from Egypt, as the Ten Commandments, and as the tabernacle being built. What is it about this book? And so he says, come to the book of Leviticus and listen. So verse 1, the Lord summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to them, the people of Israel, and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord. 
Now, that word anyone is actually this Hebrew word right here. Anybody know what that is? It's Adam. Say that to your neighbor, Adam. Now, at the end of this series, I'm going to have a vocabulary quiz, a Hebrew vocabulary quiz. All right? So you have Wakiera, and then you have Adam. Adam's going to be very easy. Adam, oh, 13 years old. Adam, Adam is immediately, you think of Adam and Eve, right? But, but Adam actually has a meaning to his name, and it's mankind, it's man. The first time this word was used is when God said, let's create Adam in our image, mankind in our image. And so God's up in heaven saying, let's create, we've created all these animals and stuff, let's create something a little bit different, let's create something in our image. And so this anyone here is actually that word, anyone, anybody of mankind that wants to come needs to come this particular way. Anyone. It includes the poor and the rich and the politically motivated and the politically I could care less. It includes the people that work at Walmart and the people that are a CEO. It includes the people that cook burgers at McDonald's and the ones that cook steak at Firebirds. It includes all those people. Come on. It includes the people who wear nice clothing and who dress nice and drive nice cars. And it also includes people that do the best they can to wear the clothes that they have and drive the cars that they drive and do whatever they do. It includes the people that have a lot of food on their table and the people that don't have a lot of food at the table. It includes the people that you might not like and the people that you like a lot. Everyone is invited to come and meet with the Lord. Oh, come on. Thank you. Everyone is invited. Listen, this amazes me. Verses like this in scripture amaze it. I stop every single time because I know that I have done stuff that God should not approach me or invite me to anything. Are you tracking? And I know you have a list of people and I have a list of people that I wouldn't invite to my house. Thank you. This is church, be honest. There are people that you would not invite to your house. God is saying, I'm inviting everyone to my house. Everyone that has sinned against me, everyone that has persecuted my name, everyone that hasn't lived the way that they should live, I'm still inviting everyone to my house. They can meet me here. Woo! That is amazing stuff. Anyone can meet with God. Anyone. Anyone at all. And in doing that and saying, anyone can meet me here at this tabernacle, God is also saying that everybody has something in common. Everybody. The Democrat, the Republican, the Forsyth County people, the Davie County people, right? The Yakin County people, the North Carolinians, the Virginians, 
Everybody has something in common, and what we all have in common is where we can meet with God. Okay, maybe I can do it a little bit better than that. The Duke fans and the Carolina fans all have a place where they can come and meet God. It it is an amazing concept. You do not deserve to have this. I do not deserve to have this. But God has drawn close to us so that we can draw close to him. That's what he has done. And so he says, meet me here. Anyone, anyone that can come, anyone that that comes meets me here. So there's this tabernacle. And he's saying, come and you can meet me here. You can meet me in this place. This is so important. Because I don't know about you, but there's sometimes that I cannot find God out there. Theologically, I know that he's with me. Theologically, in my mind, I know that he's with me at all times, but sometimes you're just wondering where in the world is God and how is he moving events and what is he doing? I do not feel him moving. God says, whenever you have a moment like that, whenever you feel like that you can't find God in your current situation, you come to me at my tabernacle is what he's telling these people. You come and you meet me here because I will always be there. I'm going to show you a a sign that just grates on my nerves, okay? The sign grates on my nerves. And if you have it in in front of your house, I haven't been to your house. I don't know anybody that has this sign. I just know that I've seen it around places. Fair enough? Okay, so here it is. Church is not a building. This is almost true, but it's not true. Okay, first, there is a universal church. When I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, I'm a part of that church, and that church doesn't really have a building. So I'm a believer in a son of God's, just like somebody in Africa that has received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. But that's not what this sign is talking about in a COVID state. What this sign is talking about is there's no need for a church building at all. And I would argue, and the Bible would argue differently, In fact, the Bible would argue that wherever a group of people decide to meet that believe on his name, that place is holy and is a church. So a group of people get together and they say, I am going to meet at this particular location. That location then becomes a place where God is in our midst, where God is communing with us, where we can meet with God. We have decided as a body of believers, that 1835 Farmington Road, this building right here is the place where we are gonna meet on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, and we are going to meet with each other and thus meet with God. We have decided this. That is when this building became a church. The people decided to meet there. I'll take it one step further and say, if you are a part of a small group and you decide to meet on a Sunday evening in a home, at the moment that you decide to meet as a small group in the home, you are a small church meeting in that home. That home becomes sacred. You're gonna open up the scriptures and you are going to pray. You are with God's people. You cannot have a church unless there's people deciding to meet somewhere. So, 
a church is brick and mortar, but it's because the people have decided that that is the place that we're gonna meet God. That's the place we're gonna meet each other, see each other, and be with God. It is brick and mortar. See, the tabernacle was a location. People need a location because life is hard. Life is hard, and sometimes you feel alone. You feel like you're faith. You're the only one holding to faith. You're the only one holding to the scriptures. You're the only one fighting the battle. You're the only one witnessing. But then you come to a place where a group of believers has said, hey, this is where we're gonna learn about God. This is where we're gonna worship. And all of a sudden, you are meeting God in that place. He is there in their midst. So let me give you a scripture, okay? Here's the first one. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. That means if you have a family that are believers and another family of believers get together, guess who shows up every time? Jesus. You see, when I go to the hospital, I go there because I, I love the people that I'm going to see. I mean, I, I do. I care for them. That's why, that's why I go. I haven't been since March. Um, I blame that on the government. I mean, I can't. In a, in a virus, I'm just not going to go. So, but when I do go, this is what I know. It is not me, Philip Pastor, entering the room that makes everything okay or, or brings a level of comfort. It is me as a believer meeting with another believer and Jesus being in our midst that calms things down. It is his presence in the middle of us. I don't know if you know this or not, but the tabernacle was located in the center of the children of Israel. When they moved, it moved, and it was in the center of them. So he was in their midst when you and I go visit somebody, when you go visit somebody in the hospital and they are a believer, that is a moment where Jesus is in the room. This is why, regardless if you like to pray out loud or not, you need to pray with that individual before you leave to acknowledge Jesus' presence and honestly, his control over their situation. At that moment, a hospital room can become a church because believers have gathered there. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So church is important and getting together is important. Here's the next one. This is Hebrews chapter 10. It says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That is an amazing verse. First of all, I don't know if you've read the paper or watched what's happening in our country, but I believe the day is drawing near. Can it get worse than this? Absolutely. It can get worse than this. Ask Noah. Noah would say, yeah, it was 
worse than what you are experiencing, hands down. But as you look around, you can see the day of Jesus Christ coming back and it's drawing near. And so what does it tell us to do? Regardless if the world is falling apart outside, this is what you do. You do not neglect to meet together as a habit of some. Now, the people that are streaming, I think you're meeting with us. I think that you're home and you're meeting with us because we are all here and you knew at 11 o'clock we would be here. I think you're meeting with us. I also think that everybody in here is meeting and there's a different level of this one because right here you are with other believers that you can get encouragement from. You see each other. It is a comfort to see other people in the room. Hey, that family in the back, they're making it. The world's falling apart outside, but they're making it. Hey, this couple over here is about to have a baby and that's absolutely exciting and they are making it even though the world is falling apart outside. We will not forsake getting together and getting encouragement because the world outside is falling apart. When the world outside is falling apart, you run to the person that never falls apart. And he says... Meet me here. This is where I will be when you cannot find me. I will be in the midst of my people that have gathered together. Whew. I can tell you this. Made it a lot easier to get through last year meeting every Sunday. Made it a lot easier there's something that happens when God's people are together and the something that happens is Jesus is in the room. But you say, Philip, there's corrupted churches. I mean, there's churches that are just corrupted. They're, you know, they're churches. Well, let me unpack that a little bit for you. There's a, a story in the Bible in 1 Samuel and a lady named Hannah she was praying in a tent, and she's praying to have a child. And she just doesn't feel like that she's connecting with God. So what does she do? Well, on their annual little trip to Jerusalem, she goes to the temple, and she bows her knees, and she cries and prays. And the corrupt priest that was watching her thought she was drunk. Now, why in the world would a priest think that someone was drunk at the temple? Because it happened all the time. So the temple was corrupt. His two sons, his name was Eli, his two sons were corrupt. There were people that were not following the Bible that were running the temple at that particular time. But she came to the temple because she knew the scriptures that said, meet me here. When you can't find me somewhere else, you meet me here. And she came and she bowed down and she prayed. And Eli looked at her and he talked to her. And the end of that conversation was this, you will have a son. And she did, and his name was Samuel. She met God at the temple, because that's what God says. When you can't find God on the outside, you can always find him at the church, even if it's corrupted. Now, one more thing about that. Everybody's looking for the perfect church. We have this corrupted church, but the fact of the matter is, every church you go to is corrupted. 
Have any of you ever been to the church that the people like have a moment in the service? Like this was ages ago. I was at one of these. And, and the people come up and they tell everything that they did wrong that week. It's part of their normal service. Have you ever been to, you know how awkward that, that made me feel? It was very awkward, but they seem to be fine with it. And honestly, there must be some guts inside of them that I don't have, right? Like right now, if, if I was to say, Jennifer, just come on up here, and what I would like you to do is I'd like you to start on Monday. Let's just say, let's just do, be holistic here, and let's just say um, last Sunday at 12.05 when you left church, just start to tell us each sin that you committed all the way up until this point. <laughs> do what? <laughs> Y'all wouldn't be here next Sunday? Yeah, you'd be here the next Sunday. So it would make you feel, but here's the point of that. There's enough reasons in this room right now to say that this church is not holy. We can count the people and that's how many reasons it is. Because we have all sinned this week and all fallen short of the glory of God. But in Leviticus, God would say, I have made you holy. It's not anything that you have done to make you holy. It's not anything about this building or just the right perfect group of people meeting together where I will be in their midst. That verse of scripture says, where two or more are gathered in my name, that are sinners saved by the grace of God, I am in their midst. So the church doesn't have to be perfect for you to meet him at that location. All that is required is that other believers are part of that church. And if other believers are there, you can meet Jesus when you come. Isn't that beautiful? You don't have to look for him. He's always with believers. He's always there. That's what he says. By the way, Hebrews is a commentary on Leviticus. So if you can unpack that this week at home. I don't have time to do that right now. So check this out. The Lord called Moses, verse one, and spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying, speak to them, the people of Israel, and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. When anyone, when any Adam, when any human brings an offering to the Lord, I want you to notice that in that verse, the word must doesn't exist. And in fact, in the Hebrew language, it's not a command. People are not commanded to come and, and meet with God. They're invited. And that's significant. See, God has done the work to come to you. And he invites you to come to him. If you decide to run from him, he will run after you, yes, but it's going to be your decision to turn back to him and hold, hold on to him. He invites you to come and meet with him. You just have to choose to do that. So there's not a must. It's when, if any one of you, if anybody in mankind decides to seek me out and meet with me here at this tabernacle, this is what you do, okay? I will be there. 
I will be there and I will meet with them as they choose to meet with me. So you're invited, you are not forced. God does not lasso people and draw them into his presence that don't wanna come. Because at the end of the day, we're all goats. According to Leviticus, we're gonna get to that later. But you rope and the goat pulls against you, right? We're all goats. But God says, hey, I'm here. I'm inviting you to come. If you don't want to, you don't want to, but you're gonna miss out. And if you wanna come, there's a lot of good stuff going on. There is a location where you meet him. There's a location where he says he will meet with you. God wants to meet with you. So how does that work with us? Well, I looked in scripture, it wasn't very hard to do. There's a couple places where God says, I will meet you there, okay? First, there's a mountain called Golgotha, the cross. Jesus Christ shed his blood on that cross. The first thing that he says to all mankind is this, you can meet me at the cross. You can ask forgiveness for your sins. You can ask me to be your savior and I will save your soul I will rescue you. I will pay the punishment for your sins. The first place that you meet with God is actually symbolically a tabernacle that came and dwelt among us, a perfect lamb of God. And if you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior and you really want to meet God, you've been looking for him for a long time, you first meet him at the foot of the cross. Amen, believers? The next place the New Testament tells us that we can meet him is on our knees. Hebrews, which is a commentary on Leviticus, <laughs> says this, you can boldly approach the throne of God and you can make your requests known to him and he will listen to you. In fact, sometimes I read that and I wonder if that isn't also you can boldly approach and sit on his lap and say, hey, Father, I need this. And you can talk to him like he would talk to anybody else. It is an amazing thought. What allows me to enter into that throne room? Well, if you think of the temple, there's a sacrifice on the outside and then there's this holy place and this most holy place where God resides. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he rent that little dividing mark into and so the reason that you and I can enter into the throne of grace is because we hold the hand of the Lamb of God who took on the sins of the world and hand in hand, we boldly approach the throne of grace and we talk to God. I talked to God the Father holding the nail-scarred hands. Come on. I could not approach before. Because I've received Jesus, I can now walk with him into that throne room and talk to God. And God says, I will meet you there. When you're on your knees and you're praying, I will meet you there. And then the third step, if you're having trouble, like with that little entering into the throne room, you just can't quite get there. God says this, look, that's not working for you. Let's get the strength a spiritual strength inside of you so that you can do that step. And here's how you're gonna do it. Where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. And you're not gonna miss me. So what you need to do is you need to sit 
not a believer, you need to go to church. You need to get with a small group that is having church in their home and you need to pray. They need to pray over you so that you have the strength and the mindset to grab a hold of Jesus's name so that on your own during the week, you can meet with him in your throne room. The invitation is there. Leviticus, Leviticus, Leviticus. God says, if you're having trouble finding me, though I'm always there, I'm gonna tell you where you will find me, where you cannot miss me. I will give you a location. Yes, I'm in your sorrow. I'm always there. You might not feel me. But if you would just meet with God's people, I promise you, I will be there in their midst and I will take care of you. It's an amazing truth. The Lord called, summoned Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, that is the cross, by the way. When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd, from the flock. Are you thankful this morning? God wants to meet with you. Yeah. There's some people that I dread meeting with sometimes. But God never dreads meeting with me. And he never dreads meeting with you. The door is always open. And the invitation is always active. All you have to do is come to you. All you who are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this message. We thank you for Leviticus. Thank you for the marker. Mostly, Father, thank you for drawing near to us so that we could draw near to you. If you had not done that, we would have never found you. We are lost, lost and in darkness. You decided to come to us and we are forever grateful. Help us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. Help us to seek out other believers when we can't find you. Help us to recognize and acknowledge that you are in the room where believers are. And Father, I know this is true. I am thankful that every time I come here, I feel your presence. And it's not because I'm something special. It's because you're keeping your promise that you made in Matthew. I know that there are believers in this room and I know that you're in our midst and it is an amazing thing. So help us never take that for granted. And for the people in the room that are looking for you right now, I pray that you, in a very significant way, let them know that you're here. You're wrapping your arms around them. I pray that as they walk out of this room today, that they will go out with the strength that they need to grab a hold of the nail scarred hands and later walk into your throne room on their own with him. 
So we leave all of that into your hands and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. The altar is open. If you wanna join the church this morning, I'll be happy to present you. However, I am here to pray for you as well. So if you need that, this is what this time is for as the Lord leads. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do And nothing else could take your place To feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find the way Bring me back to you as people said. Listen, when the world outside is falling apart, you run to the person who never falls apart. And that is our God that is drawn near to you. So take that with you. Grace and peace. We'll see you next week.